Welcome to the JMS Podcast with me, Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We got a great guest. Today's guest is the graffiti artist known as Hirafa. Had a good chat about art, about creativity, and about many other things. Before we do all that, once again, friendly reminder, if this is your first time listening in, you can subscribe to the JMS Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can follow the JMS Podcast on your social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can check out jmspodcast.com for all the available content. Don't forget that you can send me an email at jmspodcast at gmail.com. All right, uh, this is coming out on Christmas Eve, the 24th of December. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a pretty tough holiday season so far for me. I hope you guys are faring well. But I'm glad that it is almost over with. Uh, once Thanksgiving comes in, you're like, oh my god, I gotta make time to buy gifts for everyone. And it gets a little stressful, but I'm glad that we're only a couple days away from freedom. Of having to worry of all this extra stuff that's sometimes, as you get older, not really necessary. Not really necessary. It's like, why, why are we celebrating these stuff still? Like, uh, I figured by this time of the human age, some holidays should have been obsolete i mean are we still doing this for uh jesus's uh birthday is that still a thing you know it's very similar to how i feel when a magician tries to perform at a comedy open mic lately at frascati i've been having a lot of magicians stopping by and wanting a set and yeah i'm not gonna lie uh i don't really treat them as respectful as i should don't get me wrong they are performers at the end of the day but still, magicians, they don't need to perform at a comedy open mic. It's kind of beneath them. Don't you think so? You're a magician. Everybody likes you no matter what. You show them a magic trick and the whole, everybody loves you. You can perform in any environment, whether it's in the streets, whether it's on stage, whether it's anywhere. People are going to like you. You don't really have much to prove. You know, Just make sure that your trick works and that's it. You're set. When you go to a comedy open mic and you want to do your act in front of the comedians, you're just taking up therapeutic time for some people. All right, I'm just saying. All right, I feel bad for the last musician, uh, last magician that came by for Scotty, um, because uh, it's like, dude, come on, you don't need this. All right, you can do. You know, you don't need this. You could do the same magic trick you just did on stage, just outside the cafe, and and you you you'll be loved by everyone. So, why are you taking up a spot of somebody that does need this? Somebody who's been waiting for hours, maybe even a week, for those precious five minutes for them to prove who they are and to convince themselves that doing comedy. Is the best decision they made so far in life. Huh, Mr. Magician? Can you pull an answer from your hat? Alright, I got pretty dark. Alright guys, let's just uh, head on over to our guest, Stephen Free, also known as Yerafa. This guy is known all over town in the arts circuits. And he's also known internationally. He is known for his uh, famous giraffe character. That you could find even till now in the streets of the South Bay and many other places. 
and he even became notorious after the authorities came down on him hard. So uh, once again, it was great to have him here, and uh, it was great to chat with him, and uh, I found it to be very insightful, and I felt that the way he feels about his art is very similar to how I feel about comedy, and that is graffiti artists and comedians are both troublemakers and we both are seeking for that high for that moment of like aha this feels good so let's on, head on over with Stephen Free also known as Hirafa Usually in public, like in, in uh, art installations, do you go by Stephen Free or do you go by uh, Giraffa? Is, is that is that the right to pronounce it? Yeah, for the most part. It's, uh, it's a nickname given to me uh, in a Brazilian martial art called Capoeira. So they pronounce it Giraffa. Giraffa. But you did Capoeira? Mm-hmm. Uh, from what, what, what age? Uh, it was started in high school. So like I think I was a sophomore. So I don't know, maybe like 16, 15, somewhere around there. you got to be young to get into that. Because once you're older, you're kind of out of shape, and you're doing all that swinging and dancing. And yeah. My brother tried some of that when he was younger. I did it for like 18 years. And now, I, was the, uh, the 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 Capoeira gym in the South Bay? Uh, the academy, yeah. It was in uh, San Jose, South Bay. Okay. Cause on I, Park and Race Street. Park. Is it still there? No. No? No. Uh, they kind of moved around. They... Uh, Ended up selling the building and oh. then moved uh, the location to a different spot and uh, kind of just been bouncing around since. Because I, I didn't think it was very common around here. Capoeira? Yeah. Yeah, there's not too many uh, academies here. Uh, I think in the uh, the 90s, there was this movie called Only the Strong that came out and it really... Only the Strong. This was like Mark Dukakis and uh, it was like the first time, like I think a lot of people saw what Capoeira was and there definitely was like a huge influx of like people coming into the studio uh-huh. and then training and, and well I know there was kind of a, of a local cat around here who was pretty famous among the Capoeira uh, circles in, in entertainment Latif Crowder mm-hmm. I know yeah he went to he used to train at our academy yeah yeah, yeah. like I remember I first saw him in that um was it, was it Ong Bak no it wasn't Ong Bak was it wow. t- it's one of the Tony Jaws films yeah yeah uh he you know and um that's when I first saw Capoeira, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like, is he? He's fighting with his with his feet. Yeah, doing and, handstands and <laughs> and and do and, and and like um um was it Zoolander when they're like breakdance fighting? Yeah. But in Capoeira, you're literally are dancing and and fighting at the same time. Yeah, I don't really see it as like dancing. I think a lot of people think of it as like I don't know. You're kind of like is, the, is it a misconception? I think so. It's just kind of you're swaying your body, just like even like a, how a boxer kind of like yeah moves. You know, it's kind of like the same thing. I feel like, but there is more of a I don't know a body movement to it, and there is like you know cartwheels and. But I think um, a lot of people think that that's what's going to be used in like a fight fight, mm-hmm. and uh, I personally wouldn't do that in a street <laughs> fight. <laughs> like I'm just going to stick to what I know works, and I'm not going to try to be all flashy about it. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's such a niche thing, though. How did you get involved in, in that? Um, I mean, as a kid, I was just really into like this certain culture of graffiti and breakdancing, and and uh, 
I used to try to break dance and I just wasn't very good at it at all because I'm like really tall and lanky and I just couldn't do the moves that these youngsters were doing, like no. kids, kids of my own age at the time. Was this like b-boy break dancing? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, it was a, um, a high school um, presentation, like a, a cultural like showcase of different cultures and, and like the arts and, and Capoeira was uh, presented and I remember seeing that and being like, whoa, what is that? It's like breakdancing, but it's it's not. And uh, I ended up giving it a, a go and then like totally like fell in love with it and just, yeah, did it all the time. Well, it's not like jujitsu where it's not just a form of martial arts, it's really a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot involved with capoeira. There's more than just you know moving your body. There's the language. There's the music. There's understanding the history, the culture, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot to it. <laughs> so, in your teenage years, is when you got into both uh, graffiti art and martial arts. And uh, how far back did did uh, did art became a thing for you? Um. I mean, I've always been really creative as a kid, just even just uh, kind of just being on my own and just having this crazy imagination with like my toys and and uh, when I started to draw, um, I was able to like create something imaginary, mm -hmm. like from just from my own mind, you know, and like put it on paper and kind of create stuff. And it was a very... Um, personal thing just I could be by myself and do it you know and just get lost in it and uh, I really gravi gravitated towards uh, comic books at first I was really yeah. into comic books and and uh, just trying to mimic like the style and just I wasn't able to draw like that but I would just try to recreate the same like comic book panel mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of like how I started to uh, gain some like skill I guess you know and uh and then I got really into the like, cartoons, and I saw the Ren and Stimpy show, and that totally just like <laughs> changed my life. Yeah. Now you mentioned that this is stuff that you were doing um, when you were alone. Did you f perceive yourself as being a, a, a solitary kid? Yeah, absolutely. W do you have any siblings around, or? Yeah, I had. Um, uh, I have three younger brothers, but mm -hmm. um, I'm the oldest. Right. And uh, I I just enjoyed being by myself. Um, I kind of have a, a um, I don't know, I had an upbringing that was uh, challenging, I guess, and I was adopted oh. at a very early age, and so um, I was left alone a lot as a kid before I was adopted. At what age were you adopted? At oh, at I raised up my mind. At three. At three? Yeah. And were you, at what point were you aware that you, these weren't your parents, or was it something you knew from the beginning? My adoptive parents? Yeah. Um, I think I was always told, like, kind of the situation, but when you're that young, you really don't. You, you don't process it, right? Yeah, you don't understand it. Right. Um, and even before I was adopted, I don't have too many memories of that. Um, so it kind of just, like, I feel like my life kind of just started at the age of three, in a sense, and you kind of just grow into it from there. But I still carried some memories with me. Mm -hmm. and definitely like shaped me as an individual because I think at an early age that's kind of where you begin to develop and a lot of those things 
traumatic or whatever like hangs on to you and it kind of like forms you as an individual which de definitely helps fuel the creativity because you're, you're putting a lot of that energy towards something productive and expressionistic yeah where it becomes like therapeutic totally you know that's kind of how I feel about music so when it's like when I'm playing music it's, a, it's like a therapy session almost mm-hmm and uh, and uh, were your adopted parents creative themselves? Like, did, did they kind of inspire you or like influenced you to stay creative? Um, not so much. I don't have any like artistic family members. Um, I remember my dad would. He's a machinist, or uh, he he's a he's he works in the like the machinist industry or whatever. So and you came from like a blue collar family. Yeah, and uh, so my dad would always kind of like be designing things. You know, like very geometrical and you know and uh, I just kind of saw him kind of like doing that and uh, um, so that's that kind of the only thing that I got I remember seeing as like a kid kind of seeing my dad doing that and then he would write like he would do these like really um, uh, cute like notes to my mom like when he would leave for work like he'd write like a message to her and like he'd draw like a smiley face and like it was like little doodles and yeah I always remember that too yeah what about that did you find it that you kind of get was attracted to mm. I don't I don't know if I was attracted to it I just I noticed it but yeah. I think maybe I had it already within myself so I just kind of like noticed it you know like it spoke to me and uh, yeah it didn't I don't say I don't want say that it pushed me into like being more artistic or anything like that I think I already had that going on for myself, but uh, I've been in and out with my art. Like, um, you know, as a as a youngster, kind of, I stopped doing it for a really long time, mm -hmm. and then I got back into it. Like when I got into started doing graph, graph, yeah, graffiti, graffiti. Yeah, uh, I saw a headline, an article t about you, and it described you as the South Bay Banksy. Yeah. Just quite a title, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. It's like I didn't come up with that, but right, that's right. what they want to say. It's quite a compliment, yeah. You know? I guess so, yeah. I mean I don't really I don't see myself doing that type of work, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't really have like a like Bainsky's work is very like political and mm -hmm. I guess like a message behind it. I think some of my work can have that, but um I was just painting giraffes, you know. Like right. <laughs> now, what is about the giraffes that, that that gave you such an interest? Uh, well, it was the nickname given to me in Capoeira. Girafa. Yeah, by my mystery. And uh, everybody gets a nickname in Capoeira when you walk in. It might take a little while, but eventually you get a nickname. And I was the tallest student in the class, so he gave me that nickname. And then I just, I've always been, like, fatuated with, like, this like alter identity kind of thing like comic books you know they have it going like on. a superhero yeah. alter ego yeah I just even like I remember as a kid just you know like even breakdancers would have like a, a name they don't go by their real name or a DJ would have like a DJ name you know and then uh, so when my mystery gave me that name I just really like took it serious and then um, I just started drawing like I, I was like let me just draw this giraffe character to go along with it didn't really think too much of it and then it kind of I don't know just really spoke to me and I just wanted to like 
like paint it and out there or I didn't even start off painting to be honest like I started off just doing a bunch of stickers like I pretty much like plagued the uh, Milpitas area where I was living at the time you're from Milpitas? not from there but I was living there uh, yeah. did you grow up there? no I grew no. up in San Jose it, what part of San Jose? Like Berryessa, McKee, okay. Elm Rock area. Because I, I was raised in Milpitas. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah. 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 What, what, what Milpitas spots were you hit up? Everywhere. Everywhere? <laughs> I mean, I was uh, I was just getting out late at night and just like stickering my character everywhere. It was, And then it became like, all right, Milpitas is such a kind of like a small little area. And I was yeah. like... I need to get like out there more. Like, we need to expand. Exactly. <laughs> and then I realized like, man, this is, if I do it too much here, eventually it's going to catch up to me. Like yeah. you kind of don't shit where you sleep as they say. And I kind of was doing that. Um, and then I got in the paper early on, like the San Jose Mercury News ran us like a, like a ad to try to capture me. Yeah, man. I was going to bring this up later in the conversation, but they, they really treated you as if you were like public enemy number one. <laughs> You know, they put warrants out there for you, and they put, you know, it became a whole ordeal. Yeah. How do you feel getting that much, that kind of attention? It's like this double-sided coin. One's, one side, like, it kind of spooks you, because you're like, oh, shit, like, they're after me. And if they catch me, like, it could, it could get kind of bad. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is like, they're giving me some attention. And, like, besides people just driving by and seeing my art now it's in the paper and now it's kind of reaching a, like a, a more broader audience was there like a thrill to it I think so yeah I yeah. remember my mom like seeing that newspaper and being like what are you doing and you have to stop but it kind of was like it kind of gave me like more of an incentive to go out there even more yeah and I was like well if this could happen in Milpitas like what could happen like if I do it in San Jose or San Francisco Oakland now, is there a big uh, graffiti community of artists around here? Yeah, there's always been in the Bay Area. Yeah. Did you get involved with them from the beginning, or was it as your reputation grew? Did you start, you know, joining them? No, I mean, I've I've always just kind of just kept to myself and just did my own thing. Like, it's kind of like, that's kind of like the uh, that's what I like about graffiti is like the mystique of it all. Like, we really don't know who is doing what. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of fun when you do catch somebody doing it while you're out there doing it, too. And you're like, oh, you're so-and-so? Like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, I never thought, like, you were the person doing it, you know? <laughs> so um, I kind of just, I did it by myself, or I had a few uh, friends that we had each other's back, and we just kind of kept it like that. Uh, you know, I believe like the more people you know, that it can get kind of like weird. Mm. And then there's like sometimes there's like they call it beef and well, ego gets involved. I I'm assume. sure it does. It gets yeah. territorial. Yeah. Or you like uh, graffitied over someone else's work. Um, well, that just happens. Yeah. Out there, whether you know people or, or you don't, but. Um, By the way, hold on. For the longest time, I'm like, where's this breeze coming from? I have an idea where it came from. So just give me a quick second. Sure. Um, just write this down here. You can hear it too. It's not just me, right? What's that? The breeze and the. I'm just hearing some like crackling. Is it gone now? Uh, no. It's kind of like kind of like almost like spurgy or whatever. It's like. Because it's windy outside, so uh, I'm not sure of the wind. Yeah. That's pretty good now. Yeah. 
And it's, kind of, it's like when you're stepping, I could kind of hear chalking up. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all good. See, so yeah, that's that's better. All right. Sorry, I'm like, I was like, oh my god, I'm ruining this interview. <laughs> the audio is not as great. Anyway, we're just talking. We're just talking. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I mean, it, like as, like we were saying, uh, I, I, like once you put a piece of art out there, you know, whether it's a mural, whether it's graffiti, it's like for you, it's like a personal thing. Really, mm-hmm. and then you know, and you, you figure it's gonna be there for a while, but it's just as uh, vulnerable for someone else to stop and by and paint over it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, there's different reasons for people like going over other people. Sometimes it's. Do you feel deliberate sometimes? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and then other times it's like you don't even have a problem with this person, but they kind of want to go over you so that they can get some attention, or like. You're just kind of like battling and beefing, and you just go over each other. But did like you I, have a lot of common beef yourself over time? No, I I kept it cool. Like I was yeah. never out there trying to stir up shit, and uh, I it was just kind of. I was more in. I was kind of like interested in finding spots that weren't being painted, like people wouldn't really consider mm-hmm. that like a spot to paint. So like I call them kind of like cutty spots. Um, cutty spots. Yeah, like I was always like. I kind of want to get a spot that hasn't been painted yet and like I think once you do that then like people kind of it might open up their eyes a little bit more like looking at the landscape a little differently you know instead of just something that's just blatant and just kind of like predictable so for you in some ways it was like an adventure like, oh, that, like a scavenger hunt yeah definitely were you looking at every corner and crevices of the city could offer yeah it became like bad sometimes because you're not paying attention you're other like you're just looking at at, like your surroundings and when you're driving i've almost had so many accidents like because you're zoning you're you're, focused you're zoning out you're not focusing on the road you're like focusing on everything else like oh that looks like a good spot you know (laughs) yeah 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 so what's like a spot you found that you like the, the the proudest that you found or you got to I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I mean, there's been so many, to be honest. Just something that like offers a more like a, a bit of a challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. I definitely like climbing up things and sneaking my way up there, and then getting it, and then coming down, and then like stepping back and looking at it, and yeah. then realizing like it's done, you know, and I got away with it, like. But that's another thing that's kind of scary about this, I feel, because you're doing this in, in the night. Because you can't really do this in, in the middle of the day where, where everybody can see. Yeah, no, there's some it. things you can do during the day, but for the most part, if you're bombing, it's done at night. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you're climbing up there, and sometimes you can't see where you're. you're oh, yeah, for where, sure. Where the edge is at. Yeah, there's been some hairy times for sure where it could have gone real bad. And, uh,. The whole entire time while I'm doing it, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Like, this is dumb. And just, like, having, like, really bad anxiety. Yeah. But then it's like that addiction. Like, it, I think for anything, it's just, like, you know you shouldn't be doing it, and you're having this, like, self-talk. But yeah. addiction is so strong that it, like, forces you to do it, you know? Uh-huh. And then once you do do it and it's done, like, you have this, like, I don't know, really good feeling or like you're riding that like high you know mm-hmm. and then it's 
then it's on to the next thing, you know. <clears throat> now it seems like your 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 parents knew about this happening. Were they supportive initially, and that kind of changed once they got the the attention of the authorities? They they always knew that I was doing it. They didn't realize how much I was doing it, though. Mm. I kind of kept kept it on lock, kept it quiet. I didn't really talk about it too much. It was just kind of like a more for for me to know. Um, and then when I finally did get arrested and it became like a big deal, they were like, holy shit, like, this is bad. <laughs> like, I didn't know you were doing it like this. Mm. You know? <clears throat> now, so let's take it a little bit from the beginning. Teenage years, you're, you're doing capoeira, you're doing art, you're going to high school. Mm -hmm. Did you have any uh, career aspirations outside of high school or did you dedicate it specifically to uh, graffiti art? Um, no, I, I never saw art as like like my thing that I was going to make a career out of. Like I, Early on, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Hmm. I've always had like a love and a passion for animals. Um, but then I realized how much school was involved and I... I wasn't like a really bright kid, in my opinion. <laughs> I knew that I couldn't pull those grades because I was, you know, I was a bit of a daydreamer and stuff like that. So I kind of was like, "That's not for me." Like, um, and then, you know, I was getting into art, but I was just doing it for fun. It was just a fun hobby to do and noticing graffiti, but I really wasn't active or doing it, you know. Uh, and then when I got into Capoeira, I did that like really seriously. And then I thought I was gonna end up becoming, uh, like opening up my own academy and teaching, or my mystery would kind of pass on the torch to me. Mm -hmm. But uh, wasn't in the cards. Like I did, like I said, I did it for like 18 years. I became a mystery. I was teaching, and uh, I realized it just wasn't what I wanted to do. It just got to a point where it stopped being fun for me. Because I think once you have, like, responsibilities and uh, there's, like, politics involved, too, like, it just, it just, I realized it wasn't for me. What kind of politics are, are involved? Um, there could just be differences between your mestre and, and you and the way you see things should be and the way your master thinks it should be. And so, like, a bit of, like, uh, micromanaging? It can be, yeah, definitely. I've always been kind of more of a free spirit and kind of just like to do things my way <laughs> right. um, and then just I didn't get the same kind of satisfaction teaching that I did like training or playing capoeira it just was like I like being active and moving and like teaching you're just kind of standing around and kind of like you know telling people what to do and kind of showing them but yeah it just wasn't for me <laughs> mm. did you compete is there competitions for capoeira yeah there are I never competed Huh. Yeah, I think the, they do them in, um, there's competitions in Brazil, but I don't think they have any here in the States. Have you yeah. traveled to Brazil? Yeah, I went once. Oh, where'd you go? Like, what, what city? Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. And then a little beach spot called Peruebe, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, my mystery has a beach house there, so we went there, uh, I forget what year, it was a long time ago, and we just kind of vacationed there and played Capoeira in the streets, and yeah. How was that dynamic? Different. You know, where, you, where it's people practice it openly, mm -hmm. and you could literally just go to the beach and just start practicing. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, that's the thing to do. Yeah. 
I'm not. I wasn't used to it because like it's a totally different atmosphere. Yeah, like, you have the sun beating down on you. You're in like sand, and I'm so used to having like playing on hardwood floor and uh, yeah, studio. And then uh, they're just more savage out there. <laughs> like it's it's a lifestyle for them. Right. You know? Like at one point, Capoeira um, was outlawed because uh, it was being used to rob people and oh. yeah, like gangsters and crooks were using it, you know. And uh, so it became outlawed, and that changed, you know, down the road. But um, so there's there's some there's some like. You know, individuals out there, you're just kind of like, oh man, like, I don't want to get into the holdout with this guy because more than likely he's going to fuck me up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you check out the uh, street art over there in Sao Paulo? No, not really. No, we, we we didn't spend too much time in Sao Paulo. And if anything, I was just, I stuck out because I'm tall and like lanky and white and and I just was like, oh man, like. Feel like I'm sticking out here, and like I was kind of more like just on edge because mm-hmm. Sao Paulo can be tough, you know, and there's a lot of people out there, you know, robbing people, and you always hear these horror stories and things like that. So right. I was kind of like watching my back a lot. Are there any favelas in Sao Paulo? Uh, I'm sure there are. Like, it's been so long that I've like I've forgotten all about like what it's like. Yeah, but I'm sure there's favelas for sure. Yeah, we stayed away from those. For, yeah, right. Yeah, my my master knows what's up. Like he's like, all right, you know, I'm gonna take care of you guys. I'm gonna kind of like, you know, stay away from there. Don't go over there. This is fine. This is safe. Now that you're no longer practicing, do you still keep in touch though? I have friends that I still keep in touch with. Yeah, definitely. And I miss it sometimes. I I miss like moving my body in that way because it's it's not choreographed or anything. You just you're moving spontaneously with the other partner. So if they throw a kick, it kind of forces you to move so you don't get hit. And then there's like a transition into another movement that you do and it just keeps flowing. So I miss that like flow state. So you, so you gotta rely on reflex. Yeah. And muscle memory. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's tough. Yeah. I don't think I could do that, it's crazy. <laughs> Everybody says that, but I think once you once you get over this like hurdle then it becomes like it clicks and it becomes like okay I kind of get it now so many students were saying like I don't get this like I don't you know this isn't for me and then I've seen them break that point where they just like oh okay I get it now like it clicks now and yeah so are you into mixed martial arts? no no? no not really into that fighting stuff at all so for you, uh, Capoeira was specifically expressionistic. Mm-hmm. Did I say that word right? I guess so. Yeah, I hope sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, I love the just the beauty of it because it's you can never go into the hoda and play the same game twice. Like it's always going to be different mm. because depending on who you're playing with. Uh, and yeah, it's not choreographed, so it's always changing. And uh, I guess, yeah, there's like, I saw art in that, you know, it's very artistic. And you're kind of like, your body is almost like a, like a paintbrush, I guess, you know, you're kind of like painting these moves and you're kind of just like, just going for it. It's kind of like abstract. <laughs> Did you have the opportunity to bomb anything over there? In, uh, no, I wasn't doing any graph at that time. Huh? No. 
sorry going mm-hmm. back to to art though mm-hmm. uh, I've noticed that quite a few of your pieces have the spots the draft spots yeah, the, yeah. it's a, it's quite a motif in your work yeah it, it's almost a an abstract uh, uh, paintings thanks I man. mean if, if you <laughs> if you remove the cartoons that you put in there like just the spots alone and, and the, the different colors you use it's like huh Oh, you're talking about how I use the draft pattern to like form imagery. Is that what you're talking about? Talking about this, you know, the giraffe spots. Yeah, the, the, I'm talking about those. I don't okay. know. I'm not privy to art talk. Yeah, no, uh, but sure, let's go with that. <laughs> no, I because I, there's like uh, there was a point where I was just painting giraffe patterns. I was bombing just giraffe patterns, so it's black and yellow spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it wasn't until maybe a couple of years ago where I started to actually incorporate patterns into my art and kind of found out like a way to create uh, like characters or you know uh, things based off of that draft pattern mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that makes any sense I mean yeah I, I, I saw something before you got here and uh, okay. yeah I, I also saw that you posted that you were no longer doing parodies yeah I uh I, yeah, I realized it just wasn't a road I wanted to go down anymore. I, I used it uh, at a time when I was uh, painting illegally, and it was like a a way to switch it up, but uh, still have um, it speak to people. They they understood it right away because we're all familiar with like certain characters from mm-hmm. our youth. So um, I was kind of infusing my my character into the uh, parody character and just kind of like bridging the gap. So I feel like there was a lot of people out there that weren't familiar with my my giraffe character, mm-hmm. but they're familiar with a, you know, a SpongeBob. So then I, I thought of a way to like kind of like infuse both characters together to kind of bridge that gap. You feel like it kind of masked your original work? Yeah, I just, I needed, I wanted to switch it up. I was getting, well, for one, like, I got caught doing the draft. And so I felt like if I were to go out and paint a draft still, um, that'd be, you know, kind of all bad. So how do I do, how do I continue to, like, paint, but it not be the giraffe character, like, for what people are used to seeing? Mm. So it's like an evolution. Do you feel like it was also kind of a challenge? Yeah, I have a... I always saw myself uh, just kind of uh, expanding off of what I have previously done. So when I started um, doing graffiti, I was just painting, you know, just the giraffe character that's pretty well known at this point, recognized. But, um, you know... I got bored easily, and I was like, what else can I do with this? And so I ended up creating a, um, a one flow tag that was a that was like basically a giraffe. So, cause I was, uh, I remember hitting the streets and wanting to do something quick, and I, I knew I couldn't do like a full giraffe character, but I was like, man, I need to figure out how to like do something real quick in it for it to also uh, be me and people will recognize it's me. So I ended up um, creating like a one flow uh, 
draft tag. That's, that could be done just in seconds, just real quick. So you know, like graffiti artists, they have uh, like their tag, and then they got they also have their throw up or their piece or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I just was like, okay, I'm gonna do this like one flow thing as like a kind of like something in my my tool bag that I can throw out. And then it was from there, I I started thinking about like the draft pattern, like generally you see. Uh, people doing tags or throw-ups, but at the time I w didn't see anybody doing anything that was like like a pattern or anything. Mm -hmm. So I was thought oh, that'd be kind of cool just to do a, a black and yellow giraffe pattern. That's graffiti, and but it's it's different, you know. Like people are used to seeing characters or a tag, or so I uh, started just doing that. A lot of I remember a lot of people thought like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> like that's not even graffiti, you know. But it, like, in once you saw it, you knew who it was from. Like right. you know who did it, you know. Now, how come some don't consider it graffiti? Yeah, I think people have just kind of stuck in their ways, you know. They maybe they're brought up a certain way, or they just they're um, purist in a sense. They just want to keep it, you know, at its core. And so, um, but that's just not me. You know, as an artist, I'm constantly growing and evolving and trying new things. Um, but I definitely didn't want to uh, stray, like, away from what I already built mm -hmm. with my art. Like, the foundation is, like, the giraffe. So I want to keep it within that theme. I don't want to all of a sudden start, you know, doing, I don't know, painting light bulbs or something. It had nothing to do with, like, like what I had started off with. So I always just try to find ways to keep it within that theme, but like do something new with it. So like essentially keep that identity, mm -hmm. but grow it. Yeah. And it's a challenge because you're like, man, I've, like what else can I do with this? You know, like, there's only, feel like sometimes you, can, you feel like you can only do so much, but there's always, a, there's always something new you can do. Like you just got to figure it out, you know, so. I was always interested in painting like really abstract facial expressions, constantly changing that up, or just doing different um, variations of the giraffe. Um, doing the one flow, doing the, the giraffe pattern, doing like my throw up that had my giraffe character's face like infused in with the letters, like just, and I just constantly keep expanding and, you know. Did this open the door for you for uh, working on murals? Uh, I definitely don't consider myself a muralist, uh, or I don't think I really have worked on murals. It's not really my thing. Uh, What's the difference do you feel for you when you between a mural and between someone's putting a you know a piece of not just graffiti work but like a throw up or like a pasting stuff? Well, there's murals are. Uh, done legally and graffiti is illegal uh, I guess the only difference is one's given permission and one's not right yeah and there's but there's also a different um, I guess uh, it's like murals are usually about something they're like maybe they're about um, there's like a message behind it so it could be maybe you're trying to talk about the history of a certain neighborhood or and you want to like create a piece of artwork on a city wall that kind of shows that, um, or it could just be yeah, like 
this is the art that I do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna like just do a, a big um, legal piece of work, you know. But I, I don't know. It's just not really like my thing. I I, I think I dabbled with it a little bit, but um, I liked my time when I was doing it illegally, and then I like just being in the studio creating my work and. Uh, if the opportunity speaks to me and it feels right, uh, then I'll go out and I'll maybe do something legal. But I don't really consider it like a mural. I don't know. Maybe do it is. I don't know. <laughs> you feel like uh, graffiti work it does not necessarily have to do with like having a message behind it. Mm. I think there's, I think there's a message behind it. But it's hard to say what it is because it, I think it reflects that individual's, you know, the own personal thing that they're doing it for. I think graffiti is different for everybody and why they do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely understand my reasons why I did it, you know, but I think that could be completely different for somebody else as to why they do it. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> Yeah, I could, yeah, yeah. It's an answer. <laughs> like the reasons why um, I did it, and I didn't uh, understand at the time why I was doing it. But after I got wrapped up, and I had time to think about, like, why, why did, you know, why was I drawn to this? Why was I doing this? Why do I still want to do this, even though like I got caught? Um, and it had to do with validation. Just. Uh, do you feel that's kind of rooted in your uh, childhood of definitely adopted child? Definitely. You know, when uh, at an early age, before I was adopted, uh, I was uh, I was pretty much abandoned, and uh, I didn't have a a mother and a father that was around, and uh, I saw myself doing graph as a way that I could show that I exist or that I mean something without it having to actually come from my own mouth or you know whatever you know like I could just put this art up there and it could like get attention and people are talking about it and then that make me feel really good inside uh, it's twisted but <laughs> you know hey uh, man uh, I do stand-up comedy it's a it's a similar theme a lot of us have yeah is that uh, for five minutes on stage we have that uh, feeling of being validated mm -hmm. when 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 you're performing comedy and you get that laugh where you can control where the laugh's at mm. and it's right there when you want it to be it's like the best high you can get yeah but sometimes in comedy unlike uh, maybe it's a little from graffiti where you can, you can bomb in our context bombing is not getting a laugh okay it's the worst feeling in the world yeah because not only are you being validated but you're being validated as not no, nobody even liking you or your yeah. material <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i guess it's just part of the process yeah. you know uh, yeah and maybe i don't know how graph would be similar but i'm sure there's maybe you do you paint something and it just didn't come out the way you wanted it to or you couldn't finish what you painted and like that's gotta be a shitty feeling yeah you climb up a building and yeah. you're working on on a billboard and then find out you gotta finish it quick and you and you 
you leave and you look back and it's just they're glaring yeah where everyone could see yeah you're just like oh my god like that did not turn out the way I thought it was gonna turn out <laughs> and like I could either go back up there and like fix it but now it's kind of like you know who knows maybe someone saw me getting down and the cops have been called already and you just kind of like you know is it really worth it you know so mm -hmm. maybe sometimes a lot of times I just be like alright I'm gonna go go paint another spot and then I'll come back in an hour. Mm -hmm. By then, like, it's probably safe. And I could fix it. Or I'd just be like, fuck it. I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> now, it seems that when you got caught by the authorities, it was like a real rock bottom moment for you. Yeah. And you, but I'm happy to hear that you actually kept going with the art, except it seems like you took it to a different direction. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that was deliberate. So like, what was the game plan once you're like, oh, I, I want to continue doing this, but now I want to do it legally? Well, I didn't have a choice, to be honest. Like, once you get caught and you get the, you know, the consequences that I was dealt with, like, you realize, like, man, I can't go out there and keep bombing. And, like, because it's only going to get worse, you know, the next time I get caught. So... You know, to me it was like, all right, like I enjoy doing art. Um, I just got to find a way to like do it that is like satisfying for me still. And um, I have built this audience and I think it'd be foolish for me just to kind of throw it all away after the years that I've spent like building this thing, you know? Uh, and like I don't have anything else going on like art is like my thing and like what am I going to do just call it quits and then just go pick up some job that is a 9 to 5 and it's just you know it's boring you know and I'm miserable like just got to be creative and try to find new ways to keep it going you know and uh, yeah so I figured I'd give painting a go in the studio and create work and create products and um, do that, go that route, you know. It, and then you realize artists that um, have come from this, you know, from the street that have made a career out of it. Uh, yeah, it's inspiring. You know? mm -hmm. It's it's a uh, yeah. I think an example that I could think of is Juan Carlos, uh, the guy who built up Empire, Empire Seven. Seven. Yeah, he came from the background of bombing mm. you know yeah. and then now he uses this as you know running an art gallery and totally. getting his, not his work but other people's work as well yeah so that's yeah it is a need pretty to like, noble thing to do definitely yeah um I mean I still battle with wanting to go out there and paint like I think that'll always be part of me but it really feels like an addiction to you huh it does. I mean, it's it's fun. It's like you're you know? you're sober now, but like you just get that whiff whiff of that one drink, and you're like, kind of yeah. you miss those days. Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. So you're driving around, and you're seeing you know people that are you know doing it, and you miss it sometimes, you know. But where I'm at in my life, it's just like I feel I I had my time. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't have any regrets. Uh, I don't think I'd be in the place I am today if I hadn't have gone through all that. And so 
I think it's like anything, you kind of know when you got to just kind of walk away. Because, uh, yeah, it's just, there's like a time and a place for everything, you know? So I just have to listen to myself. But I uh, I still enjoy seeing it, you know? I'm, uh, I get pumped when I see, like, people out there still keeping it alive and doing it, you know? Do you find yourself critiquing oh. other people's work? Mm, it's like, no. oh, that guy was lazy on that scribble. <laughs> no, because I understand that it's, you know, for one, on one, everybody starts somewhere. So mm-hmm. I can't really, like, bag on somebody, you know, because we all start from somewhere. And uh, you don't know the situation. Maybe they didn't have enough time, you know, or maybe they got rushed, you know. But sometimes even shitty graffiti is cool. <laughs> Do you feel that there's a, a stigma when it comes to graffiti? Do you, do you feel like some people are, are overreacting a little bit, like calling it defacing property when you feel in some, in some graffiti could actually uh, uh, bring art to the, to the community? Yeah, I think it's always going to be a battle because on one hand, you know, you are going over either public property or personal property. And, uh, you know, the people that, if it's personal property, I mean, they never asked for you to like paint on their their property. So then they usually will have to clean it up, you know? Um, so I don't ever see it going away where it's just gonna be accepted and everybody's just gonna be cool with it. Uh, Cause you're gonna have a lot of people out there that don't like it and think it's kind of an eyesore. And then you're gonna have people that love people going out there and just expressing themselves, you know? I think that's the way it should always be. You know, it became legal and everybody could do it. I don't know. Just it'd be, you know, it'd be awkward. <laughs> uh, plus, I mean, I know it sounds stupid to say this, but I mean, it's a job for someone to go out there and clean it up. You know, you, know, <laughs> you guys are contributing <laughs> to the economy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, some of those people have families, and that's how they put dinner on the table, you know? Yeah. I mean, if... Kind of goes to the uh, broken window uh, logic, yeah. right? When someone breaks a window, you know, you get a guy to come fix it, and he totally. gets paid, and... But I think the consequences are just out of hand, though. Like, what, what I got charged with, and what I had to deal with, and still dealing with, it's just like, you gotta be kidding me. It really went at you, man. Like I said, like, yeah. it, it seemed like you were treated like a menace to society. Uh, I heard, uh, I read that they tracked you down through a uh, uh, algorithm. They use a software a- algorithm mm. to to track your your tags. They, I mean, they have a database for collecting all the graffiti that they go out there and. Which find. which is usually applied to like gangs and and so forth. But yeah. in this case, you're just one one guy. Yeah. Just trying to out there and, and do stuff. Do did, thing, yeah. did you? I guess did you find it, like ridiculous, like how much attention was given to you on that level? And, and, and the punishment for it? Uh, I just, I saw that as like, they're just, okay, I, I get what's going on here. And they're using me as like the poster child. And they're trying to send a message. Because uh-huh. I think they understood. Uh, if you take down someone who's a big name around here. Yeah, it's going to be like a ripple effect. I don't think it did anything. I think, you know, I saw kind of like an, a spike in graffiti afterwards. <laughs> you know, so... I think it kind of backfired on them, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, 
you know, it's just the way it is. So now that you're working, you know, on canvases and on products, you put yeah. stickers and T-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's a different dynamic now working on, on the, those things? Yeah, it's totally different. Uh, Was it a hard transition for you? No, you just kind of ease into it and you just kind of find what you what you like to do and just stick with that and just focus on that. So there's obviously things that I don't like to do, and I'm just not going to waste my time on those things. But uh, I enjoy just creating paintings and finding new products to make. And, you know, I really want to make a career out of it. It's, I think with any artist, it's, it's, it's very difficult and challenging, you know, um, especially living here in the Bay Area. Mm. Um, we're getting pushed out by you know tech companies and people are making boatloads of money and us artists are just <laughs> barely getting by and uh, so it's it's a challenge and uh, but like I said this is all I got and this is something I'm passionate about doing and I'm gonna work my ass off until I get there mm-hmm. and uh, I think we can get uh, really caught up in what success looks like because I think we are in a time where we're seeing through social media what success is for a lot of people. And I think we can get kind of bummed yeah. that it's not happening for us. And why is it happening for them? And, uh, you know, I had to just be like, screw all that. You know, like success is different for everybody, you know. And I'm going to walk a different path from any other artist or creative person out there. And I just got to go my way and not get caught up in what it looks like for somebody else or wanting the same thing. It's a challenge because sometimes, yeah, you get bummed. You're just like, man, this isn't really going anywhere, you know, like, so, um, but that's part of the process. I think, you know, that's just what, how artists, you know, live. So, um, yeah. What's a, what's a possible solution you can offer to do with this, um, incoming, um, tech that's coming here kind of pushing a lot of people out who can barely afford living around here and working around here and doing art around here do you feel like there's there's something the, the city can do to help ease that I mean it, there's definitely there's been so many galleries that have closed and where are artists supposed to show their work you know like so they need to they need to keep things around still and not just bump people out because they can get more rent uh, from, you know, a different company or something like that. Uh, There needs to be, like, regulations and kind of like, sorry, like, we need to keep this around still. It's important. Art is important to the community and to culture, and, like, it just can't be all one one type of thing, you know? But I don't know. I don't... I'm kind of don't get too involved with that stuff or think about it too much. I think I'm just so focused on my own thing that I just just work on my own like journey and I see it happening around a lot and it bums me out. Um, are you working out of a gallery currently? No. Like what do you mean? Like are you working out of your own studio right oh, now? Oh my studio, yeah, I have a studio. Yeah. So um, I think uh, 2018 I'm really trying to go hard. I think the last couple of years um, were a difficult time for me. I was kind of going through this weird 
artist transition where we don't know what we're doing anymore mm. we're kind of confused and like a creativity block i guess so yeah if that's what you're gonna call it uh those are tough yeah like i never experienced that before in my life and i always thought this is like my identity this is what i do and then all of a sudden i just wasn't feeling it anymore and i was just like whoa what is this feeling like I never thought I'd ever feel like this. And you start to question everything. And yeah. I, um, then you start feeling guilty because you see other people doing it. Yeah. And, like, and, you and just, you're just yeah. not, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I shut down, I had a social, you know, I had an Instagram account that had a really large following and I was just like, I'm shutting everything down. Like, what was the logic behind that? Well, I was like, change is coming. I can feel it. And I've built up an audience that expects a certain thing from me. And if I start to experiment and show them something like, you know, new or a process, I don't think it's going to be received well because we get so caught up on our, like, our identity and people get used to that, you know? And uh, I just didn't want to to share that process with people, you know? Like, it's a tricky thing, man. Yeah, it's hard to do because a lot of people, they rely on their audience, you know? And yeah. I was just like, I need time for me right now. Yeah. I've, I've done it for everybody for the, lo for the longest time and now it's time for me and I'm just going to shut everything down I'm going to kind of go dark and just like experiment and work in the studio and play around a lot and it was it was tough it was very like I remember having some really depressing like moments you know like what am I doing like is it even art for me anymore you know I'm just confused and that's the scariest thought because it's like you think what else am I going to do yeah yeah totally yeah I'm the same. I'm in a similar boat currently, uh, especially with the comedy. Mm -hmm. For the longest, like recently, I'm going through this dry spell. I'm like, what? Why? Why? Why am I even doing stand up? Mm. It's not gonna go anywhere. I'm not gonna make it anywhere. You know, get these thoughts in your head. Yeah. Well, and, I think that's a sign, and, though, right there, that it, for it, you to like break through. You've already hit a wall. Well, here's the funny thing: is is like, I like I'll pass this past Wednesday. I had this weird moment where it just came crashing down because uh -huh. I, I run a comedy room for Scotty. And somebody told me I should quit comedy. Mm. And the minute he told me that, it's like, ah, it, it fucked with my head. Yeah. But then I went to the caravan, had one of the best sets I had in a while, and it just changed everything. Mm -hmm. Those five minutes just changed my outlook, my depressing outlook. Yeah. And I was like, because I was like, and I was, I was like, why don't I quit comedy? Mm -hmm. It's an easy thing. It's like, no, you can't. I can't. I mean, I might stop, but in some ways you find yourself going back to it. Yeah. It's like these these creative blocks happen in waves. Yeah. You know, you ride one for a good one, and then you have to wait for the next one. And yeah. It's tough because you never see it coming. Yeah. You know, you're not prepared. I think once you go through it, though, your first time, like, I am kind of feel like the next time I hit one, I'm sure it will happen again. Like, I'll be a little bit more prepared. Like, okay, I've been through this before. I know what this feels like. I've gone through it. So I just need to, like... Relax. Uh, relax, hang but, on. Which is the hardest thing is, it is to be relaxed. Yeah. And uh, I think the more you force it sometimes, it just, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, you're just gripping onto this thing. And sometimes you just need to take a breather. I yeah. mean, just kind of, like, life is a little bit more than just, you know comedy or, or art you know like you can find new material and things outside of your own little bubble you know and so I started like doing some research and because I knew it was like okay 
I got this drafting and I've been doing this for a long time, but I kind of want to do something like a little bit, I want to do something new, a little bit, you know, fresh, you know? And uh, so I started just experimenting and trying new things with like different characters and that just weren't even related to like, to what I had already done and the foundation of what I built. And uh, just playing with like draft pattern techniques and just doing a bunch of weird shit. And then uh, a lot of a lot of it just didn't work, I, you know. And uh, I'd show people, and they kind of like kind of. I think they kind of cringe a little bit, <laughs> like, "Whoa, this is so different," you know, or like. But that's the thing is, it's, and that's why it's always a tricky thing when you're trying to um, evolve. Is you're trying different things, and you're worried about how other people are going to think of it because mm-hmm. they think of you as a certain way. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's like how do you tell because it's not bad like it's good but it's like it's not you you know does that make sense it's like people kind of kind of judge you on that yeah on that litmus test yeah where like if somebody i don't know made this i would have liked it but since it's coming from you i don't know yeah because like i said they you've built a identity off of what people are attracted to you for and so when you start to like do something different I think it wigs people out. <laughs> At that point, how much control do you have your own art then? If if it's if you're if someone's basing it on what the followers want, totally. At yeah. that point, is it really your artwork? Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think I shut it all down with like my social media because it was like I'm just doing art for the masses now. Like this, I'm doing it for them. This is what they want. I'm just giving it to them. I feel like being a, like a prostitute here, you know, just whoring myself out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, man, this is this is not right. Like art is supposed to be about something for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I create something that I enjoy doing and then I share it with the world and then that should be it. Like I shouldn't expect anything other than that. I just put it out there, you know. I did my job. Yeah. And so I went try to get back to that place and uh yeah. And unfortunately the more people hoard themselves out, the more opportunities people will pay for their stuff. But mm-hmm. it's like you gotta find a balance, you know? Yeah. Or it's enough where you're you're giving what they want, but at the same time, it's especially what you want mm-hmm. in this piece of artwork. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like in comedy, there's people that do cheap jokes, cheap laughs. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're called hacks. Okay. You know, there's a hack comics they call. Like, come on. Like, there's no real merit to that material, but mm-hmm. because it has puns or because it's, you know, race or sex or like e- easy subjects to touch on. Yeah. People, you know, eat it. The public eat it up, and they have a higher chance of making it in the industry with hack material. But at some point, don't they hit a? I think it gets a little stale, and like I think right. people figure it out, and I think they're gonna. People are always be attracted to people that take risks, and they can they can see you as someone that's a growing artist, and you're gonna evolve. And I just need to to keep it not like keep it within my my theme like not stray out too far away mm-hmm. so like that's when I started doing like a lot of like research and being okay I got this draft character and what else can I do and I just started thinking like why don't I expand on that so you know a giraffe it comes from Africa and what kind of animals hang around a giraffe and so I started doing zebra characters and lions and and then um, I started playing with the giraffe pattern and trying to find new creative ways to like implement that so it's not like you can just look at my art and see 
one thing, I can kind of switch it up a little bit, but it all kind of like stays in that central theme. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, yeah. yeah. Probably the worst to explain shit. <laughs> no, 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 I, I'm with you. It's like, just like a... It's, it, like a it, it's within your wheelhouse. Yeah. Except you're you're kind of approaching different angles and different perspectives. Totally. Like, it's kind of like a, like, a, like a soup, you know? Like, I feel like I just had broth for the longest time, you know? I had this one, like, main staple thing. And then it's just like, what, could, what kind of other ingredients could you add that kind of, like, complement it and it all kind of, like, coexists and it's, like, a really good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there that just stick to one thing, and that's all they do. And people know them for that, and that's what they like. And, and that's another fear to have is being a one trick pony. Yeah, I didn't so, want to be that. And I think yeah. I used to get. Maybe that's what pushed me a lot because I I got called a lot. Were you? Yeah, when I was in the graph, they were just like, oh, you just do the same giraffe thing. And I mean, yeah, but I I always saw myself as a. As, as an artist that keeps you know growing and trying new things you know if you look at my work like I think it changes quite a bit and it all stays this within that theme you know mm-hmm. so but it's di- yeah it's different for everybody so everybody's got their own they've got to figure it out you know right you know so just don't get comfortable never get comfortable mm. never get comfortable yeah the true artist way alright Stephen Free uh, it's, it's been an hour damn cool uh, we're closing it up. Uh, thank you for coming on here. It was yeah. a great talk to you. Uh, where can people uh, check out your work? Uh, so I have a website, longneckforlife.com. That's the number four. And then that's the same thing for my Instagram handle. And then you can check it out by just sometimes doing some exploring in the city or, you know, there's, there's stuff out there still. Uh, there's still old relics of your work out there? There definitely is, yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you, do you feel like that kind of helped you explore your own city, like your own landscape? Absolutely, yeah. I saw some things I, the average person would never see or right. get to experience. Yeah, yeah. I just come back with stories. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's, and it, it kind of like, it, like, because for me, this podcasting provided that for me. Where, you know, because I'm trying to uh, get, get as many pe- creative people out there in different enclaves and different communities. Mm-hmm. I kind of push myself to go check out this, go check out that. So now when someone says, oh, there's nothing to do in San Jose, I'm like, what? Look at all these things that's happening out there. But they wouldn't know because they don't make the effort yeah. you know, to, to go and explore. We become really lazy. And we expect yeah. everything just to come to us. And we take a lot of things for granted. Definitely. You know, we just stay on our phones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Stephen, thank you for coming, man. All right, it's good talking to you. Thank you for coming. Alright, that's it. Thank you for tuning in once again. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys spent it very well. Uh, Mr. Stephen Free himself, he came uh, to do the interview and he came bearing gifts. He gave me a couple stickers of his uh, giraffe character and um, I'm digging them. I'm trying to see where I could put them. I put one in my guitar already. So that's pretty cool. Alright guys, see you guys next week. Uh, Next episode we have a comedian stopping by. I don't think I had this guy here before, so look forward to it here at the JMS Podcast. See you later.